My name's John Redman, and I'm the Associate Pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing, and I pray today that the program will be a blessing to you. I pray it will be an encouragement to you, and I pray 25 minutes from now you will feel closer to God even than you do right now. We're going to be thinking again today about what to do when the odds are against us in life, because sometimes that's exactly what happens. We feel like The situation we are facing is so big and the problem is so bad and we get to feeling overwhelmed and we become anxious and stressed out and we don't really see any way out of what we might be going through. Well, the Bible tells us what to do when the odds are against us. It tells us what to do when we feel that way. And so if you have your Bible today, I would encourage you to open it to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. We're going to be studying today about a king who reigned in Judah for many years whose name was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was a godly man. He was not a perfect man. None of us are perfect, but he loved the Lord with all of his heart. And yet there came a time when the odds were against him. What happened was there were some invading armies, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people from a place called Mount Seir were coming against Jerusalem to invade uh, that city. And the odds were so against Jehoshaphat, he just didn't see any way that he would be able to survive this attack. It was a a sudden attack. He he didn't see it coming. He didn't really have time to mobilize the, his army to fight against them. And so the Bible says that Jehoshaphat decided the best thing he could do would be to pray. And he even called a fast. And he told all the people living there in Jerusalem, we need to seek the Lord. The, the odds are against us, he was saying, and we need to call on God for help. And so the people began to pray, and they began to seek the Lord, and they began to ask for divine intervention and to pray that God would somehow work a miracle in their particular case. And, and that's exactly what happened. God honored those prayers, and God worked a miracle. As you read the story of Jehoshaphat and, and how he responded when the odds were against him, there are so many life lessons that we can learn. We learn first. First of all, that when the odds are against us, the first thing we should do is to focus on God. Now, the natural thing to do is to focus on the problem, to focus on the Ammonites and the Moabites. But the wise thing to do is to focus on God, the fact that God is always with us, whether we feel his presence or not, the fact that God is sovereign and totally in control of every situation and circumstance that we face in life. You see, God had had allowed. I wouldn't say he caused it. I don't believe he caused the Ammonites and the Moabites to attack Jerusalem, but I believe he allowed it. And I believe that even though things look so bad and hopeless for for Jehoshaphat and for the people there in Jerusalem, I believe that God was looking down saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to turn to me. Your situation is so hopeless. There's not anything humanly speaking that you can do to fix it. But if you'll turn to me, you're going to see divine intervention. You're going to experience divine help. And that's exactly what happened. And so all of that to say, I don't know who your Ammonites and Moabites might be. I don't know what army has invaded you or is in the process of invading you. I don't know if it's cancer. I don't know if it's the loss of a job. I don't know if it's a relationship problem that has imploded on you. I don't know what you might be facing, but I know this. God hasn't changed. 
And the same God who rescued Jehoshaphat and the Jewish people so long ago uh, is still on his throne. He's still in control. He's still with his people, whether we feel his presence or not. And he is still waiting and willing to help us when we turn to him and call on him for help. And so today, as you listen to this message, I pray it'll be a blessing to you. I pray it'll be an encouragement to you. And I pray that you will see today in a new and fresh way that even though the odds may be against you, the odds can never be against God. God's bigger than any odds we'll ever face in life. You and God are a majority. And if you will trust Him, He will see you through and give you the victory. Listen to this sermon and be encouraged. After we've praised Him and declared our faith, we pour out our heart to God. You just tell God everything you're feeling. I mean, if you're frustrated with Him, I think sometimes people even get mad at God. It's never justified, but it's a human feeling, and God can take it. And so just tell God, say, God, I don't understand how, why you'd have done it, let something like this happen. But you just be honest. Now look in verse 10, because here we find Jehoshaphat pouring out his heart to God. And here's what he says. He says, and now, so in other words, he's saying, now, God, I want to get to what I really want to talk to you about. Here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came up out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Now, let's just stop right there, and let's see what Jehoshaphat was saying. Because some of you today, you feel what Jehoshaphat was feeling. Now, you feel it for a different reason. You see, what Jehoshaphat was referring to was when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then as Joshua was getting ready to lead them in the promised land, during this time, God, mainly under Moses' leadership in Deuteronomy chapter 2, God had said to Moses, Moses, the people of Ammon and the people of Moab, you cannot destroy them. You see, as, as Moses and the crew were coming out of Egypt and moving into the promised land, they would encounter people who were living in certain places. And God said to Moses and Joshua, this is the land I have for you. Destroy the Canaanites, destroy the Perizzites, destroy the Hittites, destroy all these people. But when they came to the Ammonites and the Moabites, because of their, some of their genealogy, etc., God said to Moses, you can't destroy them. You've got to let them live. And so the first thing, I'm going to give you four things that Jehoshaphat was really praying here, and this is something that you might want to say to God, or I think whether you say it, it's just real, and it's how we feel so many times in life when the odds are against us, and we feel like we're being invaded by all these different armies. The first thing Jehoshaphat basically said to God was, God, this doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that the Ammonites and the Moabites, whom we could easily have destroyed, Jehoshaphat saying Moses could have easily destroyed them, and then they wouldn't even be here to mess with us. It just doesn't seem fair. I'll guarantee you there are people here today who are going through something in your life, and truth be known, you wouldn't say it to another soul. You probably wouldn't say it to God, or maybe you have, but here's how you feel. God, it's not fair. My dad and I spoke this past week at three memorial services. And I, I can't speak for those families. I love those families. One of the families is in this service. One was in the other service. But I would think with the nature of what happened in those people's lives and the family experienced that, they had to have times where they thought, God, this just doesn't seem fair. We had a funeral on Monday for a 92-year-old lady, been a member of our church for almost 50 years, 10 years ago, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. 
Not only changed her life, changed her family's life forever. I'm sure that family thought, God, this just doesn't seem fair. Funeral yesterday morning for a young man. I've known him since he was four years old. Dad and I both had 31 years of age. Last Monday night, suddenly, tragically, unexpectedly, his life ended. Yesterday afternoon for Georgiana Bishop, Richard is in this service today. Georgiana and Richard and their family have been faithful members of our church for many years. Georgiana was 64 years of age, 14 years ago, diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, she was such a wonderful Christian. I never heard Georgiana say, well, John, it doesn't seem fair. I don't know. That, just the opposite. She was always smiling, always trusting. God. But I'm sure, I can't speak, Richard, for your There have to have been times. When you thought, God, this just doesn't seem fair. And maybe today, I had a man after the first service came up to me and said, John, that sermon today was for me. This man's not even a member of our church. He's a dear friend, but he goes somewhere else. He said to me, he said, John, I am under such stress at my job that I'm beginning to get blisters like stress. You know, some stress can do, I want to do a sermon sometime on stress. Stress will mess you up. And he was saying, stress is messing me up at work. And he said, I feel like the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir, they're coming against me. And sometimes we feel like it's not fair. And that's how Jehoshaphat felt. He thought, God, it's not fair that they should be coming against us because we could have wiped them out. The second thing Jehoshaphat was saying is, this is even stronger than the first. He's saying, God, you could have stopped it. He said, God, you could have stopped it. In fact, if you look back in verse number... uh, Verse number 10, in the middle of the verse, he said, whom you would not let Israel invade. In other words, God, the only reason these people are even alive is because you didn't let Moses wipe them out. God, you could have stopped it. Isn't that what we all say when there's a cancer diagnosis or the loss of a job or a relationship problem or something going on? We say, God, you could, why? You could have healed this disease. You could have stopped this problem. You could have prevented it, and you chose not to do it. And so Jehoshaphat is just being honest with God. And then when he keeps talking, he says to God next, my future is in jeopardy. My future is threatened. In fact, in verse 11, he says, here they are, these people that you wouldn't let us destroy, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. In other words, God, these people are coming into Jerusalem, the land you've given us, and there are more of them than there are of us. They're going to throw us out of here. So what he was saying is, God, our very future is threatened. And that's how we feel so many times, God, with this diagnosis, God, with this situation, God, with this financial reversal, God, with this, with this, with this, my future is threatened. And I don't even see any way that I'm going to make it through. And then the last thing he says is that there's not anything in the world that we can do. Look in verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have, watch this, no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Josh Fat said, God, this situation is so dire. This situation is so serious. This situation is so horrible that there's not a thing in this world that any of us can do. That's a bad place to be in. That's why in 1998, Loretta said to me, you need to think about fasting. Because she said, no, no, this is a mess. And you need to seek and call on God. You can't fix this situation. And sometimes in life, we get in that spot and we say, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm sunk. If you don't do something for me here, this is going to be the end of the road. And so, God, I'm putting myself at your mercy. 
this situation that I'm in right now, it doesn't seem fair. It seems like you could have prevented it. I know you could have prevented it, so you've allowed it for a reason. God, not only that, it is threatening my future. Maybe it's threatening the future of someone I love, whom I love dearly. And not only that, God, there's not a single thing that I can do to fix it. That's a low place to be. But did you know in those moments, at that lowness, there's, some, there's a sense in which there's kind of a, a weight lifted. We say, God, I can't do anything about this. I am totally dependent on you. Now, it's an interesting thing to me. And I thank God at the end of Jehoshaphat's pouring out of his heart to God, God, telling God how hopeless and not anything you can do. I'm glad that he didn't just say, God, it's not fair. You could have stopped it. It's going to ruin and threaten my life. And God, there's anything I can do. I'm glad he didn't just say, amen. Because that'd be a depressing way to end a prayer, wouldn't it? I mean, somebody comes to my office and says, John, here's what I'm going through. And I get down on my knees with them and say, okay, God, this isn't fair. You could have stopped it. Their future is threatened. Not a thing in the world they can do about it. In Jesus' name, amen. That person would never come see me again. How, was John able to help you? John sent me into clinical depression with his visit there. But that's not where Jehoshaphat's prayer ended. Look at the end of verse 12. He told all, he was honest with God. You don't have to pull punches with God. You don't have to hold anything back from God. He put it out there. But at the end of verse 12, notice the first word in this last phrase, but... There's the conjunction. When you use that conjunction, but, it always changes the direction that the sentence was going. You come up to me after the service and say, John, I liked your sermon, but you turn in the direction. Here comes something negative. Well, for Jehoshaphat, the first part of his sentence had all been negative. God, it's not fair. God, you could have stopped it. God, our future is threatened. God, there's anything we can do. That's negative. But he pulls in this conjunction, but... He moves in a different direction, and he says, our eyes are upon you. In other words, he's saying, God, the more I focus on these Ammonites, the more I focus on these Moabites, the fo more I focus on these people from Mount Seir, the worse it gets. But God, I've got to end this prayer where I began this prayer, and that is focusing on you. Our eyes are on you. Sounds like the psalmist, doesn't it, in Psalm 121? Where the psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my what? My help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so what do we do? We lift up our eyes. We make a decision. If we're diagnosing, dissecting, ex ex expositing this passage of Scripture on Jehoshaphat's prayer, what would we say? We would say when he turned to the Lord, he began with a season of prayer. And then he poured out his heart to God. But before he said amen, he made a decision to put his focus on God. And that's been my prayer for you today. I think it was Corey Ten Boom, the wonderful Christian who ended up in a, in a Nazi uh, concentration camp and had a horrible experience. And God brought her through that. And as she was going through that, she said she learned something. She said that in life, when we look around at our circumstances, so many times we become distressed. She said, I've learned when we look within ourselves for answers and solutions, we oftentimes become depressed. But when we look to God, when we look to Christ, we become at rest. 
It's interesting, on Friday when I was home and it became obvious to me that I had to make three sermons out of this and not just one, and we needed one sermon just about turning to God, seeking God, calling on God. And I thought, now Lord, at the end of that sermon, I don't know who's in a dire strait. I don't know who's, who has the odds against them. I, don't, I know some situations. I don't know every story in the church. You know, I thought, I, I wish... Like when I've been up here st- preaching for the last 30 minutes, that every one of you out there who have the odds against you, I just wish that God would have made you turn yellow like for the last 30 minutes. So when I was preaching, I could have just kept coming back to you visually and looking at you. And then the reason I wish God would have turned you yellow and made you stand out from everybody else so I would know what's going on, I wish. It would be that where I could just come to stand right in front of where you're sitting and say, man, I had no idea. Ma'am, I had no no thought that this was going on in your life or in your emotions or in your nervous system. I didn't know any of this. But I would encourage you to do what Jehoshaphat did, to set aside a time to seek the Lord, to call on Him, to begin with a season of praise, and then to pour out your heart to God. And at the end of pouring out your heart to God, here's what I really wanted to do. And I know I I couldn't do it. It'd just be weird, and you wouldn't let me do it. But I'd like to just come and put my hand, my index finger, right below your chin. And then just slowly and gently lift your chin so that your head was tilted up. So that all that you could see was heaven and God. So that you, like Jehoshaphat, could say, I came to church today. The odds were against me. I'm leaving church today. The odds are still against me. The Ammonites, the Moabites, people of Mount Seir, they didn't go away during that service. But you know what? When I came into the service, I was focusing on the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people of Mount Seir. But now, as I go out of the service, they're still there. I'm not blinded to that, but as I go out of the service today, just like Jehoshaphat, my eyes are on the Lord, and in His own time and in His own way, He will give me victory. Amen? Father, take the message, seal it to our hearts, and God, as we focus on You, God, we ask you to work, to act, to intervene, to move in the midst of all these situations that are represented in this room today, in both of the services. With heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you who, if it would have been possible to, for God, to, or if God would have chosen to make you glow with a yellow color, you say, John, I'm glad he didn't because then everybody could have seen, I, that's, where, that's me. But today, if you would have, been one of, would have been one of the ones who would have turned yellow, you might just need to say to God, God, I need you. Divine intervention, rescue, wisdom, mercy, protection. God, help me with what I'm now facing. God, show yourself strong. God, get involved in this situation. God, do something so supernatural that after it's over with, I and everybody else will know it was your hand that brought this to pass. 
God, we never like it when we find ourselves in desperate situations, but I do thank you that sometimes you let us get there just so we will totally depend on you. Some here today, you need to be saved. You need to receive Christ. You need to have your sins forgiven. If you want to make sure that Christ is living in your heart, would you pray this prayer? Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Without you, my life is desperate. My future is even worse. Please, Lord, come into my heart. Cleanse my sins. Take them away. And make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. By faith, right now, by faith, I take you by faith. I receive you by faith as my Lord and Savior. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. And during this next song, give me the courage to come forward and make my decision public. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen and amen. Well, friend, if you prayed that prayer today, God has heard you and God has answered that prayer. I love that verse in the Bible that says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That verse is found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament book of Joel and the New Testament book of Romans. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to forgive you and save you, He has answered that prayer. He's living in your heart. You may not feel any different, but you are different. You're a child of God. Your sins are forgiven. Your name is written down in heaven, and you have just been saved. I want to congratulate you and to say to you that today is your spiritual birthday. Jesus said in the New Testament that when we get saved, we're born again. And so today, you have just been born again. This is your spiritual birthday, and I would encourage you to write this day down and to celebrate it, just like you celebrate your physical birthday every year. You should celebrate your spiritual birthday, and if you just prayed that prayer, today has become your spiritual birthday. We here at Peace by Believing want to do everything we can to get the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond the walls of our church here in Pasadena. We're at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. God has given us a great church filled with great people, loving people. But the heart of our church is to take the gospel beyond the walls of our local congregation. And through this radio ministry, God has and is opening doors for us to do just that. One of the things we want to do is to minister to people, to help people that we never will be able to meet personally. Some of you are listening today and and uh, in states that I've never even traveled to. And so the odds of me ever getting to meet you on this side of heaven are pretty small. And so we thank God for the radio, that we could be together on a program like this, and that hopefully we could say something that would be an encouragement and a help to you. Now, we have prepared a very nice website. Our team has put together a wonderful website, and you can find it at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And if you'll go to the website, you'll notice that we have lots of sermons. Each of these sermons is about 25 minutes. In fact, I think it's exactly 25 minutes, and so it makes for a good podcast. You can listen to them while you're walking on your treadmill or while you're exercising, and you know how long it's going to be, so you kind of have it all organized like that. If you'll scroll down on the website, you'll find a tab that says Spiritual Growth. And I would encourage you to click that tab, and you're going to find a lot of booklets that we have written through the years on a wide variety of topics that 
we hope will be helpful to you. These are booklets that we have written. We wrote, first of all, for the people here in our church and in, in our city. And now we're making them available uh, in a, in a, to a wider audience. We have one book, for example, called Riding Out the Storms of Life. Another one called Never Alone. Another one called When God Says Wait. One of our most recent booklets is called The Problem with Procrastination because that's probably something we all tend to do. We have one on forgiveness, one on how to be a happy Christian, one on how to have a peaceful heart, and there, there's lots of more than the one, lots more than that than the ones I've mentioned. I would encourage you, you can read those booklets online. They're not long. You can read it in less. Each booklet can be read easily in under an hour, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. And then you'll find a place there that says, Contact Us. And I would ask you to do that. Let us know who you are, where you're listening from. Maybe you have a prayer request. We would love to pray for you and uh, stand in the gap. But thank you for being with us today on Peace by Believing, and we'll look forward to being with you next time.